live at least. Uh, so yeah, welcome to episode 144. Oh, wait, no, that was the Arsenal game. Uh, <laughs> welcome to episode 151. Uh, I, I was tempted to just tell you boys not to bother this week and I would just like double. Now re-release it. Yeah, I would just dub over Leeds United every time we mention the name Arsenal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, here we are, episode 151, last game of November, December creeping in. Uh, Adam Craig, how are we? Yeah, very good, thank you, mate. Um, well, as good as I can be after that. Um, what about you, Adam? I'm pissed off. That was just how many times have we watched that game in the last. I don't know however long it feels like. It feels like forever. It seems like we've watched that game play out in perpetuity. Uh, unbelievable, but very believable. Aside from that, great. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Um, it was another episode of pure frustration watching a, watching a team that supposedly are the better side uh, continuing to not score the chances we should be. Um I saw a lot of people very hopeful. I know, Adam, we covered this a little bit before we came live, that people were hoping to see Evan Ferguson today, uh, the young Irish striker. Um, Didn't even make the bench. Striker problems continued for us. Uh, Mope did start. He he came on, um, and so did Veltman for Duffy and Lalana. Um, I think all three of us said we hope to see Mope start this week. Were we all happy with with the changes that were made? <laughs> not in hindsight. Let's not talk in hindsight. Uh, here's where I was happy. I was happy to see us switch to four at the back. I prefer the way we play with four at the back. That might be a controversial statement, but every time we switch to it, whether out of necessity or because um, it's a tactical thing in the second half of a game or whatnot, I just prefer the way uh, the, the team gels. I know it sounds a bit of a cliche. Um, Mope, yes, we wanted in. Veltman works nice as a, as a, as a right-back in a back four, so fine with that too. Sanchez, obviously, yes, back in. A little bit surprised by Lalana being dropped. A little bit. Um, I know he was not good last week, but I don't think Moda was that better. I can only assume it was pure tactical and because he wanted to play someone higher up the pitch in a sort of central attacking midfield position, which is where Moda played. He just thought Lalana wouldn't do a task there. So that's it just felt very tactical for me. Yeah, I'm I mean, perfectly happy with the changes before obviously looking at the game. Uh we definitely needed more payback in. Uh, Trossard always is, you know, probably number one on the team sheet alongside Dunk at this point too. So it was interesting um, the way we sort of lined up and like you alluded to with Moda being in that sort of central attacking mid position and uh, Trossard maintaining that roaming ability in the middle. Um, I I was happy with the changes. I was excited to see where it went. Um, And for once, we actually started very well. We really did. I I, I mean, I pretty much agree with what both of you said there and and we we started on fire um we seemed very lively uh very on top of the game we we pressed them early we won the ball back constantly um and you know within that first seven or eight minutes i think that there was two chances where we could have been two not up already um enoch on the door in the comments (laughs) Uh, last week he mentioned about none of the players willing to take a shit outside of the box, uh, yeah. which was a typo on his behalf. Um, 
and and he was right. There was a lot of problems last week. Players weren't willing to take shots from outside the box. They were trying to walk it in. Uh, and as he says, now apparently no one wants to take a shit from six yards. Um, to be fair, Mope took a lot of shits throughout this game. Um, so he, he, he did what he said. Yeah, I th- I, and I think that's the key thing, isn't it? They weren't really shots. They were more literal shits. Um, <laughs> we, you know, I think in that first 10, 15 minutes, we came away from the game with four shots already. Um, one of them on target, three off target. Uh, and I think we ended up with about 1.9 XG. And I yep. think that 0.8 or 0.9 of it came in the first 10 minutes um, from two really good opportunities. One from Jakob Moda and then another from Mope that was just horrendous. Um, I know that we're going to keep making comparisons to the Arsenal game, but it's just tough to even know where to start because it's so frustrating. Can I, but, I can I go on a mini diatribe a little bit? Because yes, I've got a couple absolutely. of things I want to get off my chest. Firstly, who allowed these these kits to be used in combination with one another? It was impossible to actually watch it. That was really, one, annoying. Um, this, the second piece, the ref was diabolically bad throughout the game. He tried to let the game flow, which seems to be like a habit that Premier League refs are getting into this year but we felt like we were on the wrong end of most of that for a good 45 plus minutes there was a handball wasn't there in the second half where one of the Leeds defenders just basically sort of strangled the ball a little bit and they're like ah it's accidental don't worry about it oh that annoyed me as well um and then the other piece was just I just I just don't really understand I, I don't understand what the sort of end game is with how we're, I guess, putting chances together and what we're hoping to do with them. Because we talked last time, we've had these conversations about we need a striker in. Do we, don't we? Yes, probably we could upgrade, but let's see what Mopay's got. You guys mentioned when we were talking throughout the game, without confidence, he's terrible. We saw that today. He's got no confidence, dropped from the team, awful. He's still the best option because our second best option is you know fresh off his stint Cincinnati FC in the MLS seemingly at the moment. Um, outside of that, as, as Enoch has mentioned, no one, no one outside of Mope and Trossard seemingly can can score a goal for this team. I, I couldn't bear Moda taking another attempted shot that ended up in him shinning the ball ten yards over the bar. Um, I just, I just had to get some of that off my chest because it was just such a frustrating game. Uh, I'm glad you did because I'm struggling to find topics of conversation that aren't stuff we visit almost every freaking week at this point, (laughs) along with feeling (laughs) unwell. Like I feel like I'm in a, like a fever dream of just like groundhog day. Um, So let's talk about those kits. Whose idea was it to, to have them play in that kit? Surely we would have been better placed having, us to even trot out a third kit and have them play in a kit that's different. You know what I mean? Something should, or even have them, because I don't know if you two remember that game, but we played a game against Leicester a couple of years yeah. ago. And we actually ended up having to play in their kit, their away kit, because all of our kits were uh, too similar to theirs. And that, that was that one year where we had three blue kits. So it was like a dark <laughs> blue brand. and a white. And then the third kit was that bright blue, like light blue. And yeah. 
that was amazing to watch just wearing their yellow away kit it was so odd i i was at that game and I, like it was just so, when they first came out none of us understood what the hell was going on why didn't they do something like that today like it was the weather combined with the the, the kits themselves because the weather did add that like hazy look to the field of but a bit but they were horrific like even the people in the stands that weren't getting that same like you know camera issue with the hazy vision everybody was saying it was appalling it's the I only it. only way of justifying some of adam webster's passes today is that you couldn't tell who the Brian <laughs> players were i don't know i mean is it it's just commercials isn't it you know you you must wear your away kit or or whatever but it was a really dumb decision i think around just across everyone yeah the guys on the tv couldn't really make out the the guys in the stadium really couldn't make it out it makes no sense let's talk about the refereeing performances as well because uh, i saw a couple of poorer performances this to just today um the the norwich wolves game it was his first Premier League game, the referee, and uh, he was uh, essentially the players refed it for him. Um, it was an incredibly undisciplined game, and he kind of just let it go. What is good? I don't understand whether they're being told to let the game go in the hopes that VAR can take a look at things, or and they're now seemingly applying that across the entire field when it's really only in the 18-yard box that that takes place, and they can't get that mindset out. They just let it go. But And I said it to you two in that chat. I can't believe that Furpo was still on the field at halftime because he didn't do anything... Yeah. He didn't do anything outrageous. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't just launching himself at the ball. But when you look back, not last year, I think, but the year before when Aaron Moy was sent off against Villa for those two yellow cards. Furpo commit if that's if that's a if that's one of the, you know, if that's the barometer, Furpo committed like four yellow card offenses in that first half, or at least enough to get two. Last week, we had the opposite problem, and the ref was blowing up for everything. What is going on here like I, i'm we've been told time and time again that var would make this better but i feel like week upon week even if it goes in our favor the refs are just less and less consistent every single week well there was that one part where trossard was just being held and hacked and his boot came off and he had to stop the game himself to actually have the ref stop play and just sort of stared at the linesman um it's just so many stupid decisions. There was the around sixteen minutes or so. There was a free kick. Well, should have been a free kick for a foul on Lamptey outside the box. I just wrote down "shit ref." That was my note. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's across the entirety of the Premier League as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, you know, VAR can only be as good as the people that are reviewing it, and they're all shit. So <laughs> when when you have the the general consistency or the ability of the refs across this entire Premier League, some of them, like the Norwich Wolves games, are just letting everything go. You know, have at it, hack yourselves down if you want. Or you have these weird decisions where they want to keep the game going and they want it to be competitive where Furpo doesn't get sent off. They don't want to ruin the game for those that are watching as opposed to making the right decision. Uh, I don't know what they're up to. Uh, we saw another bad refereeing display today. It's not just Brighton getting the bad end of the stick when it comes to the refs. 
the general ability of the refs in this Premier League is not up to par with the standard that we play at. Yeah. And this one was, honestly, it was worse than Arsenal looking at the stats because they were all starting to actually filter in fully with who scored and stuff. We had 57% possession today, massively better on just about everything in terms of dispossession, aerial battles, dribbles, success rate, all that stuff. 20 shots today. We had 14 shots off target. Yeah, that's, was, and that's your problem. Same old target as Leeds. Yeah. Right? 14 Dude. shots. Appalling. Tyler Roberts had the most shots for them. In the top five of shots taken, Mope, Trossard, Moda, and Solly March are all in that top five. What is going on? Like, uh, it's just it's just baffling to me because I think a lot of people, I, I was speaking to one of my other friends in another group and they said, is it just that Brighton have been found out and they're easy to play against now before the game started today? And I said to him after 15 minutes, there's proof that it's not a case of being found out because with any half decent striker, we're tuning a up already and we're on our way to a decent three, maybe even four nil win. Um, yeah. What you, what you need, you need, we either need midfielders that can score or a striker that can score, right? It, because you need one to fill in the gaps if the other one's out of form a little bit. Um, and Mope, as we've seen, isn't firing on all cylinders. I'm not sure if he has any cylinders anymore. But then, okay, well, let's see who else can score. Trossard tries his best. And, and for me, Trossard put in a massive shift today. He was incredible. He even did a, a decent job defensively as well. There was times where he just held the ball for about 15 minutes. It was it was like he was being controlled by some sort of Gen Zer on FIFA. Uh, and he was just sort of <laughs> twirling around and coming back. And then, and, yeah. But outside of him, well, you're playing, firstly, you're playing Moda and attacking midfielder, as an attacking midfielder. He can't really shoot. Lamptey can't really shoot. Um, Basuma, we've seen what happens with him. Every now and then I'll smash one in the back of the net. But for the most part, Basuma's smashing him into, <laughs> into one of the stands behind. Into orbit. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and Gross is a bit hit or miss, really, isn't he? So I guess what I'm trying to say is, who else is going to score? Because it's really, it comes down to whether, is Mope playing okay? No. And can Trossard score? Because the rest aren't going to get you any goals. So we just, I just don't think we've got the, the players to do it. But I don't think it's just one problem. It's a combination. We're, we're bad in both areas. Let's, because I feel like we're repeating ourselves every week with some of these things, let's talk one thing that is actually something I can, I can hear on here. Formation we played today and the tactics we played today. That's the one I want to see going forward. I, I said it last week that I much prefer having more two strikers than two midfielders. Um, I thought that despite the shit show we had in front of goal, we at least had more issues in front of goal uh, as opposed to last week against Villa. We didn't really create anything because there was no one there. Um, this this is exactly the kind of formation I want to see going forward. Do you, do you both agree that this is this is the answer yep. as opposed to the other one? Yeah, 100%. <clears throat> uh, similar to what you just said as well with, you know, the, the way that it works and the chances that were created, especially in the first 15, 20 minutes, it shows you that it works um, and creating those chances. And we sat here last week talking about the lack of clear-cut chances that we have and something needs to change in order to get those chances in the first place. 
we had them today. And if we take those two chances in the first 15 minutes, this is a very different conversation. Uh, today was about not finishing those chances early doors and then not creating too much else in the rest of the game. A bit of huffing and puffing, but ultimately we need to take those chances. A, a game of fine margins, as we always say. So you take those, it's fairly easy riding from there on out. Leeds didn't cause us too many problems throughout the entire game. Uh, it's just a very different conversation if those if those are taken. Let's also talk players because I feel like talking about the game itself is something we've talked about again like every other week. Talking to the players, whatever this formation is this week at least, uh, I also felt it led to a lot more balanced wing-back play. Uh, I thought Kukurea and Lamptey were both as influential as each other. I thought Kukurea was superb today um, in, in a lot of the things he did defensively and on the, and on the front foot. Um, I don't understand how, though. I'm, I'm not quite sure why Mope playing allows us to be more balanced or whether it was a tactical thing at all. Um, but whatever it was, it definitely allowed us to, to be able to use both flanks a lot more comfortably. And it also helped that for a team that is supposed to work incredibly hard, Leeds seemed incredibly lazy at taking care of those wing packs. Leeds were abject. Uh, they were horrendous. And we said before we, we got on here that for me, I've not seen an opposing performance as lackadaisical as that since we played Watford. Like completely just didn't look like they could be bothered to be there, um, which is, you know, a weird thing to say about the, the anointed Bielsa squad. Um, they were second to every single ball. They, they didn't seem to ever want to actually press. Uh, and they only really ever got into the game when we sort of fell off a little bit around the 80th minute when our players were just exhausted. Um, the, playing Lamptey in that sort of right wing position, because he wasn't, he wasn't mirrored in a sense by Kukurea in this game. It was, it was Lamptey on the far top right and Trossard was on the top left for most of the first half and then a decent chunk of the second half. I felt I, that was such a nice place to see Lamptey because it's fundamentally, it's just one fewer player he has to go by. He doesn't have to then trot, you know, 20, 30, 40 yards further up from a right wing position and then track back quite as hard because he knows he's got, he's got Veltman behind him to make up some of that. I want to see more of that. And on the same side, it opened up Trossard a little bit more. I really, he was outstanding for the first 30 minutes and for a lot of the game for that matter. Um, behind him, Kukureya, we, we haven't said enough. We've said a lot about Kukureya's drive to get forward and put in crosses. He does a really good job getting back and, and getting first to balls, whether it's with his head a lot of the time or just getting to the ball first in a, you know, if, if, the, if it's loose. He's he does a really good shift defensively. He really does. Yeah, he dominated defensively today. More tackles than anyone else, more clearances than anybody else. And just watching it, you would probably have guessed that, right? Like he looked like he was everywhere today. Oh, he's got such a motor. And I think where it works with having Trossard in front of him, right, is because he's such a great outlet for Sanchez and the rest of the defense, and he'll just bound up and down, which means Trossard can sort of do what he does best, which is sort of being a bit of a free roll. He can come inside from that left-hand side and move into a more central area, um, just be a little bit more lazy and just do his thing up front. And Cucurelli's got enough strength, energy and pace to to, to do the defensive work. Really good. To the to the point where Rafinha had to switch sides halfway through the second half because Cucurella had his number all day long. Um, 
really impressive. Again, we we sing Cucurella's praises every week on here, but especially today, and I think rightly pointed out his his defensive efforts as well as his attacking efforts. Um, yeah, what is what is this like? His eighth or ninth game for the, for the Albion? It's mad. <laughs> let's not forget as well he wasn't even properly starting for the spain under 23s in the olympics um or under 21s whatever you have to play there um he's he's been like a duck to water for us um incredible stuff but i do want to also i want to finish off my soliloquy with a, with a, the positive aspects which i hope we can all agree on we've got four truly outstanding players at this club four bona fide could play for european playing football teams in, in Kukurea, Lamptey, uh, Trossard and Basuma. Like for me, that's like, that's, we have over a third of the team who is, who, who is a top half level set of players. Uh, and then I think the other piece is, if you look at the performance from today, yes, I know we've talked ad nauseum about not being able to score. Every side in the Premier League would take that performance against anyone in this league. In terms of the the domination of the game, the chances created, what you did with the ball, everything, apart from that final bit of end product, there's a lot to be excited about here. And, I, and we're, we're invariably in a couple of weeks going to get onto the infamous transfer chat, but um, we're close. We are close, as as negative as we might sound in the last couple of episodes. I I would go one further than that. They are the standout players by far. They are superb. I would go as far as to say that Sanchez, Lamptey, Feltman, Dunk, Webster, Kukurea, and Bissouma, so sev- what, seven, that back seven, and Trossard, eight. If you supplement those eight with three players from the top six, that is a top six side. I genuinely think that they could get a top six berth. If you had, I mean, obviously it's easy, easier said than done, but you stick, you stick a son in that team and you put a Gundogan in that team and you put in, you know, someone else from the top six in that team. It doesn't need to be like star players, Harry Kane, Ronaldo's Bruno's get their like next tier down and you replace those three other players with that level. And obviously Brighton are never going to get to do that, but just to express how good I think that back area is and how solid it is because we have one of the best defenses in the league. We had it since Sanchez came in last Christmas and it's continued this year. Like I just saw an infographic yesterday about the way teams defend and how well they defend across all five leagues. And we are in the same quadrant as your Bayern Munichs and your your Real Madrids and your you know your PSGs in League One, which is a joke. Like we're in that quadrant with those teams with your Chelsea's and your Manchester Cities, and there's this little seagull in there, totally out of place. But when you think about that and it, and then they actually did another one with the finishing and we were down in like the joke group and you think genuinely you replace those three players with good, very good champions league players. And you're probably looking at a Euro, a Europa league spot almost every year. But so what's the, what's the non dream world scenario of that? Because I, I agree with you. So what, but what, so what's achievable by the club without gutting the squad and selling Basuma next window and doing all that stuff. Like, can we get one of those players in, or is that even too far? I don't know if we can. I think we can. I think I think that I think that you replace Mope with I could list half a dozen Premier League strikers that score at least two of those opportunities today. 
they're affordable if we want to go out and do it. Who, who's who's under forty million that we could bring in that could do a job? Do you think? That's the tough thing in terms of right now. I don't know. Yeah. Yes, that's that's the issue, isn't it? That we're we're at this level where we do have a very good defense. Stats prove it. Everything wouldn't change the defense for anything. But it's the chance creativity and the goal scoring that's an issue. And in order for us to get better in those positions, you need to go out and spend an outlandish <laughs> amount of money in order to facilitate that. Now, Brighton as a club, you may need to sell one of your players to get that position. So you know, where does that come from? Are we willing to do that? Um, and is there someone that's actually viable out there? You know, we we've it's clear from the murmurings around the club that you need to have this no dickhead policy bringing in a 40 million pound striker without an ego is also quite difficult to do. So where do we go with this? Um, and more importantly, how do we get the confidence up in those strikers and that chance creativity yeah. to even make it to January? Cause we've still got seven more games before we even hit the January transfer window. So what, what changes from now to January, even if we are going to do business? Looking at some, I'm, I'm going to try and look at some of the players that were brought in, in the last year, Josh King, where he's playing at Watford. Could he do it? Could he have done a job? Callum Wilson definitely could have, and they didn't pay anything like 40 million for him. Uh, yeah, well, Callum Wilson, of course. But he is also maybe not on the no dickhead policy. I understand that because he seems to be a bit of a knobhead. But at the same time, like Craig said, like the problem comes with, you know, you've got a lot of these strikers that come across as like, but I wouldn't melt. But it comes out every now and again. People like Erling Haaland, absolute knobhead, actually, despite how nice he seems. He's an absolute dickhead. These these top goal scorer type players, even Mope, like he's an absolute dickhead on the pitch and now he can't score anyway. So <laughs> what's going on there? Connolly can't even make the bench. I'm assuming that the obvious long-term plan is all the work we've done in those eight players that we've got that are very good, and would start in most teams outside of that top four, five. Most of them would at least run their position rival a good shot, right? So, like, wherever you're playing, you're going to get a chance. Like, Donkey would start in most central defences in the Premier League, barring a couple of the really good ones. And even then, you could argue he might get in, um, as opposed to people like Joel Matip. But you're looking at it, and you're thinking, okay, well, obviously the plan is that we we bring these players in, we bring them up, we we develop them. Your Rob Sanchez is at 15, you bring them in. Your Ben Whites, I know he's moved on, but you bring them in, you you train them up. Your Lewis Dunks, your Solly Marches, uh, your Tarek Lamptees, you sign him for like £4 million. Um, I'm assuming that's the plan here. Aaron Connolly maybe was supposed to be the answer. Abundantly isn't. Neil Mope, we bought him at what, 21, 22? Doesn't look like he's going to be the answer. I would say at this point, you do then have to go out and spend money on one spot. If you're so close to doing it, if you're so close to turning that corner, I think at that point, maybe you do have to just go, okay, like here's the pot, here's that like, I can't remember the phrase I'm looking for, but the exception to prove the rule, like we need to go actually get someone in this spot, spending more than we're comfortable to spend in order to make this thing work as a whole. Tony Bloom's not a stupid man. He, he has to, there, there has to be, after a thousand of these performances, <laughs> there has to be a point where we're just like, 
all right, let's stop messing around with trying to find Jürgen Lukadias and Ali Reza Jahan Bashes and Florin and Duns and so on and so on and so on. And so let's just buy, let's just buy someone and it's going to be an annoying amount of money and we're going to spend all of the Ben White money and more that we haven't already spent on TBD, Enoch and Wepu. Um, I agree. I, I, I've been against this whole, it has to be, it has to be a center forward. But for me, it's, I don't mind if you either, you're either buy you're either buying a, you're either buying a forward or you're buying someone that can sit in the role that Moda played today, which he did well in terms of moving forward and running forward and making uh, you know, creative styles of play, but you just can't finish. You just can't finish. So let's sign someone there. My hope was that that's McAllister, but he seems to have fallen out of favour as well. I'm really confused we didn't bring him on. But another one of those young players that you're excited to see, Sarmiento came in, uh, didn't get enough time, but hopefully we can find something more fr- from the youth team here in addition to us opening the checkbook up. And when, when you do open the checkbook up, there's, there's also that dual thing where you have a very good defence of seven or so. And when you're talking about Basuma leaving Lamptey as good as he is, Cucurella, there's got to be European teams sniffing around him, even in this short stint with us. You're then talking about, well, how do we get these players to stay? Or how do we, how do we convince them that actually we are completely yeah. on board with getting to the next level as a club? Um, when you start bringing on Jürgen Lacardio in the 65th minute and when and we're not too serious around you know actually a goal scoring threat from my opinion then those those players your Lamptees and your Cucurellas we're always going to be in the in the bottom 10 then there's, so there's there's no way yeah, I can't I see where you. we're progressing so as much as a statement signing it would be it's just as much as a statement to the rest of the team in that we're serious about moving up to the next level here. Um, so maybe there's a dual purpose there. Firstly, just to show the fans that we're serious and that we want to move to that next level, but also internally in the club that we are ready and we understand that this is an issue and we are going to make a statement by bringing in someone. So we'll, we'll see. We, transfer talk is going to happen for months and months and months, but I think the reality is that the next seven games where we clearly don't have a threat if Mopay doesn't work and Welbeck is soon to be back, hopefully, then how do we put those chances away? Because, you know, as and I, I will say that Moda was good today, apart from the finishing. Everything else he done very well. The link-up play with Lamptey was also good. Finishing, way far off. He was the epitome of, of the team in a nutshell, Moda's <laughs> performance. Really well, apart from the thing that you actually need to do to win football games. It sounds dumb when I say that, but yeah. No, it's right. A results business, you need to put those away. The 99% you've done really well, but we still drew today. And you're looking at those those players that you were just mentioning, those ones that can come in from slightly deeper, your Trossards, your your Modas, your Lalanas. And there's just three I can see here that teams have signed this summer that we could have done, we could have signed them and have that effect. Maxwell Corney for Burnley, playing very much in the play, plays pretty much the exact same role as Trossard did today. He's taken the league by, taken everyone by surprise in terms of how good he's been. Yeah. But we could have afforded him and we could have signed him if we wanted to. Emmanuel Dennis at Watford. He's a scumbag though. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like he (laughs) could have played that role. Could have been Uh, our scumbag. Huang Hei Chan, the South Korean fella at Wolves. 
there's no reason, you know what I mean? We could have competed for that. If we're going to do that, spending the horrible amount of money that we maybe don't want to. He's also taken the lead by storm. Four goals in, in eight games already. That's the kind of thing we need to be going and getting. You've got to, you've got to ask the point of, with, with Sanku Correa, which was an unbelievable signing, and people turn around and go, how did nobody else see that guy when, when he's as good as he is? How are these scouting teams not seeing it? And the general response is, well, Brighton's scouting team is excellent. And my response has always been, they are until it becomes the final third of the pitch and the recruitment team seems to just forget what they're doing or like handing it over to like a tight team of raccoons, like I said before. <laughs> like, what? Why? why are we so good at signing players all over the pitch? Because we've developed that seven or eight players like from those networks and we can't do it in that spot where it matters most. And you're seeing teams around us strike on those players more often than we have. And some of these teams are shite, like out, like objectively poorly ran. And they're able to find some of these players. Wolves aren't, wolves aren't in that because wolves have that, a lot of that Portuguese stuff that like, it's just dodgy. I'm sure that something may come uh, Yeah. Full exploitation. Yeah. That's what they have. Um, But the good news is, that as as we've we've said here we don't need to rip everything apart it's we have a we have one very very frustrating problem the ability to score goals everything else you have to look at this team and go above and beyond expectations in terms of this performance today and some of the performances that we've put out so far this season against against sides that should be playing better sides come up against us and they say i don't want to face brighton again anytime soon Apart from now, where you look at Brighton and you look at the last time we tasted victory, which was one month and eight days ago, I believe, in the Premier League. Uh, two months. Was it two months? September, right? Yeah, September. September. Yeah, September. Yeah. Two months. Two months and eight days. That's, that is relegation form. No matter how you, how well you play and how much the guys on Match of the Day say we play beautiful football and Grand Potter's a genius and he sleeps outside for homeless charities, which is great. But we we need to score goals. We need to score goals. Uh, and I, I sat here last week as well saying it it's not the only problem we have. Uh, I was half proven wrong today that you know we are creating chances against these sort of teams and we set up very well today tactically. It was a very good job. The, the finishing was the issue today. So, you know, is is it our only issue or are we expecting our midfield to chip in with goals? Yes. So it, it is goal scoring, but is it purely the forward or is it that we're just not chipping in from midfield with Moda missing two chances? Trossard does as best as he can in, in the position that he's in. But we're not we're not seeing we're not seeing the midfield chip in and it brings me to my next point around set pieces yeah. where we've completely gone off yeah, we so said this last week it's crazy isn't it nothing it, may, it makes no sense there's no tactic anymore they all stand around the penalty spot and then it doesn't beat the first man so clearly the set plays are also not working so what's happening there in terms of the defense doing what they need to do or at least having some form of attacking threat there i saw all of the corners today what six seven corners today they didn't cause a single issue nope which is compared to 
what we've experienced in recent history and recent me- memory, that's always been, you always thought to yourself, oh, thank God we've got a corner chance here. Don't feel like that anymore. Hey, here's, a, here's another uh, interesting one. Did you see USG's game yesterday? They lost They I lost 3-1. Yeah. Um, Mitoma scored, but uh, they had 14 shots to the opposition's six, uh, two, two on target. Sound familiar? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe Dennis Inver- Indav won't save us after all. Yeah, maybe, maybe we don't need to be. That's probably perked us up though, right? That's probably made us more interested. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe you'd fit in great here, Dennis. Come on, <laughs> but Greg, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. That to me, if you're if you're dropping one of Lalana or Gross, you're dropping Lalana because you expect Gross to provide something on set pieces that could win you a game, and two of his six corners were not accurate at all, and several of the free kicks, Kukurea was on them. So at that point. But like you, you know what I mean. Like I, I, at the same time though, I'm also incredibly annoyed at Adam Lallana and his inability, in his inability to score a goal as well. So, but uh, yeah, like he didn't provide anything from those set pieces. There was nothing there. And I know a, so a couple of people online have already said that's what happens when you don't play Shane Duffy. Well, I think we had like eight corners last week, and Shane Duffy didn't do anything with them either. So yeah, because t- that's a teeny point. tiny Lewis Duncan. <laughs> And, and Webster and Adam and Webster, yeah. Let's talk about what happened at the end there, um, because it's all over Twitter at the minute. Um, booze, booze around the annex as the full time whistle went. Uh, not sure if you two heard them, I did as it went off. Um, Graham Potter isn't pleased. <laughs> He said, he, he said, uh, I think he went on record saying that they can say, uh, you know, they can, they're entitled to their opinion, but I disagree completely. Maybe I need a history lesson <laughs> uh, in uh, in the club, which is entirely fair, I think, in my opinion. Um, I, if you're going to be booing at anything, you need to be booing at the fact that we've been trying and not succeeding in the transfer market in terms of the targets we've been looking at for two and a half years. Booing now makes it look like, like I don't think those players deserve to be booed today. What are they booing? That's what I would love to know. I, I, the people who were booing, what what part of that performance are you booing? Like, I don't understand because, like you said before, like it was positive-wise, it was actually we played really well, barring the obviously most important thing. But for the most part, we were very good. What what is boo worthy? Well, in some ways, the fans' performance for the last few weeks, quite frankly, <laughs> it's the loudest they've been with the booing. Uh, as ironic as it is, as us saying that from you know across the Atlantic, but, but I, oh yeah, boo you, Grand Potter, for tactically outclassing Marcelo Bielsa and having your team completely run a football game. It's pu- it's purely frustration, isn't it? Like, it, of course, we're frustrated here. We, when we came into this podcast with a bit of a cloud over our head after you know we've seen this time and time again the f- and the fans that go week in without us have seen this time and time again firsthand god keep witnessing just these all these chances and no one can put the ball in there that's frustrating but you just look at for me i look at it and, and you see a hell of a performance a really massive work rate from especially from some of the younger players in the team and they they walk away and they think to themselves 
I'm not sure what else we could have done in that game. And then I get booed by the home fans. Shit. It's been, it's been a big topic of discussion over the last week or so as well. I think a lot of the social medias have picked up on the lack of support or maybe the lack of noise from the stadium. And rightly, I think it's frustration without hindsight, right? We, we can sit here, we can talk to each other and calm down a little bit and go, you know what, actually, we ran that game for 90 minutes. Leeds wouldn't have scored if they had another 90 minutes. So, you know, it, what is so bad, you, you look at the, again, you look at the league table, obviously the point spread is a lot closer now, but we're still up and around it. So it is, it's frustration without hindsight that it's a, an initial reaction that I don't think is warranted, but you, you can look at it from either side of the coin though. You know, we're now winless in nine, albeit we've drawn six or seven of those, but we haven't won for two months. We run a game, we miss clear cut chances. That is annoying. But hindsight is a beautiful thing. We can sit here and go, actually, we ran the game and it wasn't so bad. Yeah. Man of the match. Uh, we have to pick one. Uh, and honestly, honestly, do you know what? There are a few that deserve it. So it's not so it's not so bad. Yeah. Um, you know, there have been some weeks where we've had to talk about man of the match after a performance that we pretty much say the same sort of stuff as we're saying today, but out of frustration, we feel like no one deserves it. I feel like there's a fair few that do deserve it today. I feel like there's a lot of players that played really well today. Um, so, Craig, who you got? Uh, Trossard for me. Uh, the way that he's come on leaps and bounds with this season and the shift that he puts in, Adam said earlier, defensively and offensively, holding up the ball, creating and being able to carry the ball in that way. Uh, I thought he was really good. Uh, before I do forget completely, uh, an honourable mention to Solly March, who I thought was going to be a very negative substitution, ended up having two very good chances and changed some things in the last 10 minutes. Um, he did exactly what he needed to do, came on, was an impact sub, just didn't work out. Um, I'm not saying man of the match worthy, but normally, and I think the last game where we took Lamptey off for March, it was our untimely downfall. Uh, this time, it seemed to give us a little bit of added impetus, which was actually good to see. There's a lot of Solly March bashers out there, so um, I want to get that in before I forget. Toss up between Trossard and Lamptey. Uh, I, I think it Trossard does win it for me as well, but God, I, I, well, I think I put in my notes somewhere early on just Lamptey causing all sorts of problems. Furpo needs to be really careful. Uh, and as, as Josh alluded to earlier on, Furpo could have been in the bath, if we still use that analogy, very early on in that game. Um, he was just, he's so, he's so electric and his speed causes so many problems, but it's not just his speed. I think it's easy to disregard Lamptey and just say he's a speed merchant and whatever. Some of his intelligence in terms of when he times his runs and then the ability for some of our other players, Moda played in a really fantastic through ball to him that that, that meant Lamptey could put in a cross for one of the many crosses that no one actually finished. Um, he's just a really tremendous, tremendous player. Unbelievable that we were able to sign him. Unbelievable. And for the price as well. It's even yeah. funnier. Um, yeah, I think Lamptey gets it for me uh, just because I think he was our most obvious route to goal. Um, Neil Mopai, a close second, of course, for man of the match today. Um, but 
Yeah, uh, no, I thought Tarek was really good. It's just so nice to have him back. Um, I, I do wonder if if this decision to play him a bit further forward, albeit tactical, is also a way of prolonging that hamstring of his, uh, or at least just not working it as hard because he's not having to bomb up and down from 18-yard yeah. box to 18-yard box. He's allowed to do it where he's most dangerous. Um, and with Veltman behind him, like you said, like that's that's a heck of a player to have behind you, uh, both defensively and technically, because uh, he can play a pass as well. Josh, I think he might be our best right winger now as well, though. Like, I think he's that good. He's playing out of position. I think he's probably our best right winger. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it's almost like the the Cornet fella at Burnley. He, I think they yeah. signed him up to be a left back, and he's now their best attacking winger in the in the squad. Um, similar kind of similar kind of impact and i think you know with 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 a different striker up front i think that, and and not just a striker because like you said moda missed that chance too and he should have at minimum which been one on target too <laughs> the one about 4 minutes in uh but he should have been scoring at least you know he should have been hitting the target at minimum that's like that's all i want really like at least hit the target like if if he saves it like, because we've seen we've seen that a few times, especially under Hutton, where like we actually did dominate every once in every like twenty three games, and like Glenn Murray has like an absolute masterclass, and someone in goal is like pulling off like Ballon d'Or level world saves, like, and you're like, well, okay, what are you supposed to do? I think it was the Stoke game. One of like there was one of them that was a Stoke game, and like I think we ended up drawing one one, but like their keeper was on an absolute madness. Josh is just getting his Omicron variant out. <laughs> yeah, I'm sick. So, yeah, for me, Tarek Lamptey, that's that's all I've got. Uh, there's, uh, just a quick note on what you said there, because look, there's a there's a reason that we we Brighton and Hove Albion have the ability to sign some of the players like like a Yakamoda. If Yakamoda could shoot, he doesn't play for Brighton and Hove Albion right now. Right, he's a Poland international. He does a ton of things really, really well. If he could smash the ball into top bins week in and week out, well, he's at he's at Europa League side already. Um, so it's, yeah. it's a we have to manage our expectations a little bit there. And Mope, that, that chance, you know, the chance where they called it for a foul when he walked past the defender and the light breeze caused the defender to fall over, and he whistled it dead, but. My, not before my page just skied it one on one with the keeper. It just just shades of Alvaro Morata for me. I just hope he, I just hope he has the self confidence and self belief to recover because we've seen strikers in the past that can get into some of these funks. That it feels like it's only been a few games. It's only been a few games, and that turns into a season, and then he picks up an injury, and then he's and it just fizzles out. I just hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, that's the worry. We, we saw he, he was off to a blinder last season as well got got his eight goals in the first what quarter of the season and then got next to nothing for the rest so unfortunately it seems like a little bit of a pattern there i'm i unfortunately don't have my my hopes up too high i i hope he can because it's in there somewhere and we've seen it it's the consistency and again levels of expectations if he was doing it on a consistent basis and he was scoring 20 goals a season he wouldn't be at Brighton and Hove Albion. That is exactly it. Well, yeah. when, when is Welbeck meant to come back from injury? I don't think anybody really knows. 
they said that he may be back in training already, but at the same time, if it's a hamstring injury, that was a bad one. I thought they said he required surgery, so I don't really know. Yeah. West Ham next, though. They play Manchester City tomorrow. It's a lot of work they're going to be putting in tomorrow with a day's Wednesday, Wednesday game, isn't it, for us? Yep. Yeah, the games are coming real thick and fast now. Um, you got, I think, I think I've read somewhere like you got an average of like seventeen games a week now until the new year. Um, Take that. So, yeah. So West Ham on Wednesday. Um, like I said, they've got a day less rest than they're playing Manchester City. Um, West Ham, very good side, obviously. Uh, they're you know they're they're in that top four for a reason, and uh, they honestly deserve to be there. Um, they did lose last time out though, away at Wolves and Manchester City is not going to be an easy place to go, obviously. Um, what, what are we hoping to see away at West Ham? Are you, are you thinking stick with the same tactics? Are you thinking just try and hold out for a draw? What, what do you, I haven't seen a lot of West Ham this year, so I, I don't know what style they're going to play, whether they're going to play a style that does play into our, our, you know, our our tactics and our strengths in the way that leads to. Um and Newcastle absolutely don't. You know, I, I don't know what how West Ham generally play. I'll probably try and catch a little bit of it tomorrow. But if you two have seen anything more of West Ham, what do you, what do you expect to see from the Albion on Wednesday? Um well of the obvious a goal would be nice. Um the I'm not, it's, it's weird and I, oh God, I feel like whenever you make predictions, invariably, what, whatever you predicted, the opposite will occur. I, I'm not massively scared about Mikel Antonio. Whenever we face what feels to be a really, really strong striker who's been smashing them in, I feel like our defence does well enough to, to mitigate that risk. That, though, might encourage Potter to switch back to the three at the back because that will just kill that situation off completely for me though i'm slightly more worried about the abilities of the group that sit behind him um so your your rices your ben ramas jared bowen's been a really impressive player whenever i've watched him as well um so we'll have to see uh there are west ham have always been such a weird side they were the well, I, I grew up in northeast london so they were unfortunately sort of one of the closest sides to me and they're just even when they've ever throughout their history been on a, a period of, of games where they've looked impressive, they'll just lose against someone you just don't expect. Uh, so that's what I'm hoping. I'm, I'm hoping for West Ham to be West Ham and just absolutely lay an egg against us. <laughs> and, uh, you've just summarized their last couple of games in form really well as well. They're, they're two losses in their last six are to Brentford and to Wolves. Uh, but Ham. in that same time period, they're beating Liverpool. That's what they do. So and Spurs, although Spurs maybe shouldn't deserve to be in the same conversation. They just they strike me as a very busy midfield team that will look to to flood that central area, which I think we may need to be careful about. Uh Fornaus is also a good call out. He's been remarkable this season, especially alongside those other attacking midfielders. I think we just need to close that down. Uh, as Adam said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we went back to a a, a three at the back. Um just to I guess, stop that from happening. Um, but I am worried that they will overrun us in midfield. And we've seen that at a couple of games this season where we don't really have an answer for it. Final question. Yeah. Aaron Connolly is clearly not the answer. 
Jürgen Lagardia is definitely not the answer. Uh, Welbeck is hurt. Mope after today must be on a real bad time with his uh, with his confidence. Do do you go ahead and stick with him on Wednesday, or do you genuinely consider looking to the under twenty threes just to see if something can be thrown at the wall and see if it sticks? Not for me. I thought all that speculation about us um, bringing in that lad for this game was. If if you're hoping for that, you've got to ask yourself some questions. If if you drop Mope for this game and it's not just purely tactical, uh, you're ba- it, as Potter. You're basically taking him out back and shooting him, aren't you? Really like that that, and that's that. I dropped you before. You come back for one game. You did crap. You're not going to play again. You can't do that, especially in this run of games. I really don't think you can drop him. I'd like to see him start. I'd like to see him get a chance and see if he can finish it because that could turn around the season for both him and us. Yeah, we, we tend to be quite good at away to West Ham too. We've, we've had some good fortunes there in our previous games too. So I, I completely agree. He has, he has to start and we have to give him another chance, especially after today. Uh, like you said, if you, if you drop him just after one game of bringing him back in, then that's going to do absolutely nothing for him. Um, similarly, if you're going to look to the under-23s, the last thing you want to do is just throw them throw, throw them to the wolves at, at West Ham away and hope to expect to see something. There shouldn't be any expectations when those guys do make their debuts. Um, there shouldn't be any burdens or any additional pressure on them making their debuts and, and bits and pieces. You're talking about Ferguson, who's 17 years old as well. Um, going just, away just to 17 Ham. as well, right? A month ago, two months ago, when yeah. we last won, or you know, yeah. And and to to your point as well, if if that is your next best alternative, um, then you you need to have a talking to. Uh, we 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 do need to start with Mopay, I think. Um, we will change something in the midfield to try not to be overran. I'm expecting a back three and three in the middle alongside Trossard as that one in behind Mopay. That's that's what I expect. Um, but yeah, that's that's a tough conversation to have with Mopay, isn't it? Yeah, I I, I would do the same. I would start him. Uh, I would I would make one change for the West Ham game. Uh, Pascal Gross onto the bench and Mwepu in if he's fit and ready. He sh- he clearly should be right. He's on the bench. Um, even if he can run for only go for an hour, I think that's that's the change you make to add some of that power and dynamism in the midfield that can really cause problems to their their midfield group. You, you've got a, a Moda Basuma Mwepu midfield three is you know that sounds good in in prospect. So you know, you've got three dynamic midfielders um, that may help with the amount of busy midfielders, but we'll see. I'd bet a lot of money. It's Lallana that comes in. A lot of money. Sarmiento. I enjoyed look, watching Sarmiento again today. He only had a couple of touches of the ball, but every single time he did, he uh, he went forward and went forward fast. I think he's I think he's really only going to be an impact substitution for a while yet, but I really liked the look of him today. I thought that Everything that I liked about him in the in the League Cup, he seemed to translate immediately in like twelve minutes of football uh, in the Premier League. So that was nice to see as well. I think uh, I feel bad. I feel bad for Taylor Richards, who seems to have been completely missed, and Samiota has gone one above him straight away. Uh, I'm not sure what the story is there, but Samuel it's good to see international football, isn't he? And, and you know, yeah. doing well yeah. it has to be it. Mm. True. Uh, 
he he's a, he is electric though, isn't he? In terms of how he can how he can get the ball and just especially whether you're you're hunting for a goal or a team's pushed up. There was he had a really nice. I don't know if it was counted as a counter attack, but it felt like one. And he just glided out and just carried the ball. And I think eventually it went to Solly March, who just tried to do a reverse pass to nothing. Um, but his he he has that ability of um, South American footballers. He's very slight, but he knows how to use his body weight well and turn away and into challenges so that he, he, he gets on the side of the refs. He's going to be exciting for us. It might not be this season, as you say. It might be just 10 minutes at the end of a game. But there's worse players to have coming through your academy than him. It's that pressures off mentality too. When you bring Sarmiento on at 78, go make a name for yourself. There's no pressure here. Just try and find something. Um, that's yeah. exactly how he's being used and I'm all for it. Anything else from you both before we wrap up today? I've got nothing else. Uh, two quick things. Well, just what's left in my head from this game. Uh, I'm worried about Adam Webster. It's a couple of games now where he has made some really horrible, like, uncharacteristic mistakes, uh, positioning, passing, and it's caught us out against some other sides. That will be even worse. On a more positive note, Sanchez was faultless today. Not a single part of the game where I looked at his performance and said, oh, don't do that. Really, really well. Um, so that was also nice to see. I think that's all I had. Yeah, I agree on the Webster front. Weakest of the three. Um, my my own head, I saw Veltman in a back three and I thought immediate yellow card, but he was really good today. Um, surprising to see Webster, the weakest of the three today. Yeah. Good stuff. Short turnaround. Uh, we will probably have an awful lot to talk about in three days' time. So uh, I will let everybody go. Um, thank you for, for joining us. And, yeah, I'm not sure whether we will do one midweek or whether we will do, like, a dual response on uh, on the two games come the weekend. So uh, we will speak to you all at some point in the next seven days uh, and, and have a good one. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving in the US. Yes.